Kafz Tevet Tafshin Pei Aleph Coming to you live from the offices of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The great Ariel Zilber opens things up as he has been doing for months and months. Because we didn't have an opening theme song. We just would play a song, a, a, love, a beloved song, something that would entice you to stay with us because of the great music and everything else that we do. But since the beginning of the COVID virus, 
pandemic, we've started every show. We we stopped in the middle because we thought things were coming down, but we went back to it based on, by the way, as a result of user requests, user listener. <laughs> User requests, listener requests. So uh, we've been opening with that. And we continue to pray. Oh boy, do we continue to pray? This thing doesn't seem to end. And it's not only a refuah against the virus; it's a refuah hanefesh, refuah haguf. We need a refuah hanefesh too. So many people are suffering. Um psychological difficulties as a result of all the conditions that we're going through. Anyway, Ariel Zilber opens things up here on this week's edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network, and we thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your week. week we are here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM. 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that's the time we're on. So that's pretty simple, right? Whatever time it is, that's the time we're on. Like that. Uh, we have um, we have a taste, a little foreshadowing of um, what we can expect from a Biden administration vis-a-vis Iran. And that comes in the form of an interview that was conducted on CNN with the incoming National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. And we will play, later in the show, we will play clips from that interview, which should, it should alarm us all. We also have other stuff coming up. We'll tell you about the Israeli elections, about um, the deal that Israel has made with Pfizer, and numerous other um, topics. And we have great music, and we have some new music from Yochai ben From, come on, get it right. Yochai Ben-Avi, yeah, I did get it I did have it right in the first place. Yochai Ben-Avi came out with a children's uh, album, but it's cool for adults as well, and it goes through the months, the, the various months of the year and different events of the year. It's called... Yerach, Perach, Vechalil. And we'll, pay, we'll play the title track for you uh, coming up in the show. Lots of other great stuff, great Israeli music, and more and more and more here until the show ends. Pugi, Lakat Kaveret, Pokavor HaKelev. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yugi Lahakat Kaveret. One of their classics. It came to mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, it came, it's from their first album, by the way, Sipuri Pugi. It came to mind because I was talking to a friend yesterday and um, it was one of those min- moments when you go, duh. And I thought of the line, uh, if you're trying to make pasta, spaghetti, and the water just isn't boiling, what do you think? Maybe to turn on the fire. That's what everybody does. Duh. Mayor Weingarten, here with you this Monday morning or whenever you're listening. But we're live on Monday morning with the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So much going on. Prime Minister Netanyahu announced last week that all adult Israelis will be vaccinated by March. Now that is uh, quite an amazing accomplishment for the Prime Minister. And, and there's no question, as much as the, the Prime Minister's detractors, haters, whatever you want to call them, they're always going to look for reasons uh, to to bash him and to not give him credit for for where credit is due. But here, even <laughs> even his detractors, and I couldn't believe it on on Channel Twelve TV, there are people that are well known to be uh, non BBites, if you will, and um, even they, or at least one of them, I think it was Donna Weiss, had to admit that he pulled off an amazing, amazing coup. Netanyahu is a statesman. He's a world leader. People around the world take his call. Leaders from around the world take his calls. So he created, at the beginning of this uh, event, a relationship both with the people at Pfizer, the CEO of Pfizer, actually, Borla, who is a son of a Holocaust survivor, Holocaust survivors, uh, a Jew from the famous, what used to be um, bustling Jewish community in Saloniki in Greece, which was decimated during the Holocaust, but his parents survived and he did, and he lived in Saloniki uh, for quite a while. So they created a kinship, Prime Minister Netanyahu created a kinship with him and um, was able to get initially a big uh, shipment of doses, which has already been distributed and given out in Israel. And look, Israel's the number one, number one in the world as far as the distribution of the vaccine. I wonder where New York State is number 3,725 or something. Um, Don't mind me, that was just me mumbling to myself. Now, they made another deal with Pfizer, and here's how it works. Israel is going to provide Pfizer with information, not personal information necessarily, but information about the vaccine. 
different uh, results of uh, what happened. If certain situations came as a result of the vaccine, they were reported and so forth. And and all that information will be given to Pfizer. So that will Israel will be a model for Pfizer and a test case in order to be able to track uh, the situation. That doesn't mean Israel's a guinea pig. No, that's what some people were saying. Israel's a guinea pig. Israel's not a guinea pig. Everybody around the world would be thrilled to get this deal. To be able to get as many vaccinations as they need to vaccinate their entire adult population with us, with, with uh, the kind of speed that Israel is doing it. So it's not a question of being a guinea pig. It's a question of having the ability through the connections of the Prime Minister and and here, uh, for those who heard it on JM and the AM, I apologize, but uh, I will read to you some of the um, explanation that was given by uh, the Pfizer CEO in Israel. He says, the fact that Israel is a small country, okay, so they have a uh, 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 they can do this quickly where the health system is very advanced that's a great thing to know that Pfizer considers Israel's health system as to be one of the more advanced health systems and every citizen has an orderly medical record that's because of the whole system of the Kupot Cholim and so forth Every citizen has an orderly medical record that has a connection between the community services. That means a country has a setup where there's connections between the community services and the hospital. And Israel has a proper database in the Ministry of Health that allows control of such a complex operation. And all that put together played in favor of Israel and Israel wins. As I mentioned to Nachum earlier, <coughs> excuse me, um, my cousin Meir Ziel, who writes in Ma'ariv for many, many, many years, um, published a map. It's a graphic of a world map that was put out by one of the um, health organizations. And it, it's uh, one of those maps where you see each country shaded and the um the the darker the shade of the country mean, means the more of the population per hundred you know vaccines per hundred have been given out the number one country in the world if you look at this huge map and you see all the world all from east to west from the tip of alaska till whatever fiji or whatever it is on the other end they all have various shades of blue. Nothing really sticks out except that one little tiny speck of dark, dark blue, which is Israel, which is so small that you can't even make out its full borders. And um, I see this yet again as a fulfillment of some of the prophecies that we've been promised by God thousands of years ago coming true that the state of Israel will be a shining light. It will be some, it, it will conduct itself in a way that will be emulated by others. It will be, hopefully, hopefully, a, um, 
a PR operation for the one above. So, all those things come to mind when we think about this vaccine situation. Yochai ben Avi, interesting uh, musical creator, performer in Israel. We've played lots of his stuff previously. He put out an album called Yerach, Perach, Vechalil. Yerach is a month. We had an, we're, we're actually going to do a Meir Milim segment on that coming up, uh, either just before or just after Pashat B'Shalach, which is where Chodesh HaZelachem, Rosh Chodesh mentioned. Yerach, Perach, Vechalil. And uh, this is the title track. We hope you enjoy it. It's brand new, just came out. And we'll play more of uh, of his music uh, from this album as time goes on. I find it very nice. Yerach Perevach Halil. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
Especially appropriate as we uh, are approaching Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Shabbat, which will be this coming Wednesday night and Thursday, which means there's two weeks to two Bishvat. And you're all invited to uh, join us over at Jamin the AM for the two Bishvat uh, Bonanza and for the ceremonial eating of the Buxer, all that. Yerach Paravachalil will play more of that uh, later on in the, not this program, but later on in the the coming weeks, I should say. That's what I wanted to say. I uh, want to call your attention. This is more of an announcement, but it's also a uh, recommendation. As a result of Corona, there have been many positive things that have presented themselves, and one of them is the use of Zoom and other technologies to bring content of all kind into your house, instead of you having to go out to get that content. And for lazy people like myself, that's a great thing. I don't have to travel anywhere, I don't have to, I want to hear a lecture, Zoom, Zoom and you're there and Zoom lectures over your home already. No traffic, no nothing. Don't have to wait for the car to come out of the parking lot. It's great. And there are many. There are so many. It, it's obviously impossible for me to give you uh, all the information about it. But all all, all of what out what's out there. Um, I'll I'll tell you about two particular Israeli. Uh, organizations that are doing what I think is really spectacular job. Um, the Menachem Begin Heritage Center has quite a number of programs. You can go onto their website, just do a Google search, Menachem Begin Heritage Center. You'll get the link to it. And um, they um, are in midst now, they just started last week, I should say, a series of great lectures by uh, various different uh, top top name people. Last week, it was uh, about Menachem Begin, the person, Menachem Begin, the leader, and the two speakers were our very own friend and uh, James the AM guest, weekly guest Malcolm Honline, together with Dan Meridor, well-known in Israel and was very close to Menachem Begin and uh, I watched it live through the Menachem Begin Heritage Center and it was very interesting. It's available now to watch on YouTube. Usually these things are available afterwards to watch on YouTube so if you miss it, if you can't do it during the day or at a certain time that it's on or because of the time difference with Israel they're almost always available afterwards unless they have a fee and I've, I've taken part in some that have a fee where they don't make it available obviously to the general public afterwards but they will make it available to the people who paid the fee for a certain amount of time afterwards. Uh, this coming uh, session, coming up on January the 
Is it the 13th? I think so. That's what it says here. That's coming up on January the 13th. That's in two days. Um, Ingathering of the exiles. Kibbutz Galiot, immigration of Soviet Jewry, and that features the Jewish hero, the one and only, the most amazing Natan Sharansky. We don't have to introduce who he is. And that's at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 8.30 p.m. Israel Time. Menachem Begin Heritage Center, you can register for it and see it or just keep an eye out for it after it's when it comes out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Coming up soon on the Israel Show, we're going to share with you um, parts of the interview with Jake Sullivan, the incoming National Security Advisor. And we'll talk a little bit about the elections. Last week I spoke at length about the upcoming elections in Israel. And I posed the question, and I posed it as a question, if something's doing well, is it a good reason to not vote for them just because they've been around for a long time, right? That's the the anti-BB's main main thing is just anti-BB. He's been around too long. He's corrupt. He's corrupt. I don't. I, I, I'm not sure that many people actually believe he's corrupt, but okay, he's been indicted and so forth and so on. But he's doing amazing things. And our very good friend and listener Tikva commented literally towards the end of the show and I couldn't get it in but it's a, va- it's a valid and legitimate comment that she makes which is that because he is facing now a trial the trial actually started already but it's going through the preliminaries he is obviously distracted and has to give attention a lot of attention to keeping out of jail because uh, if they want to get him, they'll get him unless he mounts a good defense. And as a result, he's neglecting important things that need to get done that don't get done. I, I hear that also. So that is one answer to why those who are not BB would be not BB, even though he's being very successful. There's too many things that are not getting done, according to Tikva and according to many in Israel. So I wanted to add that in to um, to the mix here. Okay. Um, until recently, we had a, an Israeli basketball player in the NBA. He went back. And now we have another one. It seems there always has to be an Israeli basketball player in the NBA. This one uh, just started this year. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't remember what team he's with. I'm not into sports at all. I really don't know very much. I just know that his name is Dani, I believe Avdia or Avnia. And um, does he play for Washington maybe? Something like that. Anyway, yesterday on Israeli television, they were talking about the fact that he had a very good game the other day and uh, there were he had three um, in a row three pointer three point shots in a row I think or something like that and then they played the play by play announcer 
describing the situation. And uh, this is a very short clip. It's 16 seconds. But it, it ends, listen to how he ends it off. And it's, um, quite frankly, very cool. And after the announcer, you hear the Israeli uh, anchors, news anchors uh, on the show that was playing it. Uh, making a little, you know, diggy, a little dig, a little making a little fun of the uh, American announcer. And we'll follow that with uh, Eric Einstein's classic Yoshevet Bis San Francisco Al Hamayim, uh, a song that really is totally connected to basketball. And uh, Israelis need, want, thirst for NBA play. But then, as he's watching the NBA, and you can hear him talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Dr. J and all those, suddenly he says, who needs all this? Give me a piece of the Tavor, Mount Tavor. Give me a piece of the Kineret. I want to go back to Eretz Yisrael. The beautiful, uh, it sounds like it's a non-Zionistic song because it talks about the beauty of San Francisco, Al-Hamayim, San Francisco on the water. But... um, in the middle it turns and he gets totally taken by the reflections and his memories and his yearnings for the land of Israel. So here it is, the Avnia play-by-play. It's about 16 seconds. And then Arik Einstein with San Francisco. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the live edition of the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Skips it out. Avdia for three again. Yes. Danny Avdia's got 17. Here's Avdia for three. Three in a row for Danny. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. San Francisco Shrachol 
San Francisco Alamein. When he um, was interviewed uh, many years ago, he didn't do too many interviews. He was a pretty um, introverted guy. When he was interviewed uh, many years ago about uh, different songs, so he said that the um, he was a big basketball fan. He he would uh, write um, articles in the in the sports columns in the newspapers in Israel. Uh, analysis of the different basketball games and teams and all that other stuff. Um, so he he really wanted to go to uh, to the United States and watch some NBA games. And uh, they they um, 
I think he said that they worked out like they would do some project for some Israeli company, um, maybe a movie or something, and that would give him the opportunity um, to uh, watch the NBA. And he says they went there and they just went to one game after another in uh, in San Francisco to watch the different teams. Um, and hence the song San Francisco Al Hamayim, which uh, has really become... Um, part of uh, the soundtrack of Israel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. I don't think I mentioned that on the outro. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you to listener Adrian, I believe, who uh, informs me that uh, I was partially correct. I said Washington, that uh, Danny Avdia plays in Washington uh, and the team he gives me the information is the Washington Wizards and our dear friend and um, Mr. Engineer and all around great guy listening on in Israel Avrami tells me that his name is Avdia A-V-D-I-J-A and he is on the Washington Wizards <laughs> and he writes to me, Romy writes, that other options of things that the announcers might say when, you know, the Israeli guy scores a lot is either having a gila or l'chaim. That's very cute. We we uh, found out not long ago that John Lennon knew having a gila. The only Israeli song he knew. Uh, I mentioned before um, different Zoom programs that come to your house and you and are interesting and informative, and you don't got to go out anywhere. Um, and we mentioned the Menachem Begin Heritage Center. Another one I wanted to mention. This one is in Hebrew mainly. I think they might have one or two English uh, lectures as well, but it's mainly in Hebrew. Uh, it is Yad Ben Svi in Jerusalem. Yad Ben Svi in Jerusalem. Y B Z. But if you do a Google search on Yad Ben Svi Jerusalem, you'll you'll find that they have an English part of the website, and uh, I did, and and these are in many many of the uh, tours that they give and lectures are are for money. I paid for two tours so far; both of them were fabulous, just fabulous. Tamar Haryardeni was the guide. She is a font of information in general. And uh, one tour was um, of the area known as Mamila. Today, you see it as a, the mall and the hotels. But the... Um, but the um, history of the, that area from the times of the British mandate through... 48 to 67 and then after that tracing its history with great fabulous pictures from different eras maps it was great and then the second one well I did three actually come to think of it the second one that she did that the Maria then did was about Baca and many of many of you are probably familiar with that neighborhood in, in Yerushalayim also fascinating Tons of stuff that I didn't know. Pictures, history, 
story, everything. And yeah, it's possible to do it without actually being there. It's better to be there, obviously. But it's much easier to hear and see (laughs) when you're in your own home with Zoom. But it was really cool. And the third one was about the area of um, starting from the Sultan's Pool going around what we call Hartzion through uh, Gay Ben Hinnom and that area there. Also fascinating. That was a different guide, but it's also fascinating stuff. So Yad Ben Tzvi, Yad Y-A-D Ben B-E-N Tzvi, Z-V-I. You can do a search for them and see if they have. And I'll, if I come across some other stuff, I'll let you know um, and give you a heads up. So, we have a little bit of time left. Uh, I'm so good at this, at this lack of timing. Um, the Obama-Biden-Kerry administration engineered the Iranian deal, the JCPOA, it's called. And Israel led by Benjamin Netanyahu, felt that it's a bad deal, and better no deal than a bad deal. So many things were wrong with that deal. Um, and thankfully, after Israel proved to um, President Trump that the Iranians are basically lying, they have not suspended their um, their nuclear program. They just covered it up and called it something else and so forth and so on. He, President Trump, went ahead and canceled the deal, which I think, and many think, many lovers of Israel believe was a very good thing. He put back sanctions, which was a very good thing. And um, it um, it put Iran in a very difficult place, and there's no question that if he would have been reelected, uh, President Trump, if he would have been reelected, that Iran Iran would have come on hands and knees to 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 renegotiate because the economy there is falling apart as as a result of the sanctions. Israel, you may remember, in one of the most amazing, um, daring Mossad raids, emptied out the entire archive of nuclear documents and information from in the middle of Tehran, from the middle of Tehran, loaded it up on trucks and got it out of there overnight and showed the world that they were basically lying. And nobody cared. Nobody cared. And now Joe Biden has said over and over that he's going to go back to it because that was one of the one of the shining accomplishments of the Obama administration, according to them. So, in this um, interview with. Um, CNN's Farid Zakaria, Jake Sullivan, who is the uh, incoming national security advisor to President Joe Biden. He previously was 
a senior policy advisor to Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign, is deputy chief of staff at the State Department, and senior advisor to the U.S. government for the U.N. nuclear negotiations. So he, after four years of thinking outside of the box, we're back in the box. We're just back in the box. So Farid Zakaria asks him about... um, What they, he says basically, you negotiated, you were one of the negotiators of the deal. Would would it be fair to say that your expectations didn't come true? That's number one. Number two, he pointed out that a year ago, the United States, led by President Trump, it was Trump's uh, call, killed... Qasem Soleimani, one of the leaders of Iran, one of the most dangerous people in the world, because he is the one who came up and with and implemented the idea of setting up diff- in each country, as many countries around the world, to set up allegiances, alliances, proxy states, like they did in Lebanon with Hezbollah and Aza with Hamas and they did so with other countries in South America and Central America and he was at the head of all this and running it it was a uniquely really uniquely qualified person for that and the United States was able to take him out and uh, this person who is going to be our national security advisor was critical of it. Oh, it's terrible, and you know what's going to happen is that the the world is going to explode. It's like when they moved the embassy to Yerushalayim. The world's going to explode, blah, blah, blah. So he asked him, is it fair to say that um, Trump administration accurately gauged that Iran is very weak and that maximum pressure campaign will work and we could get a better deal if we continue in that way, which included killing Soleimani. Here's Jake Sullivan. Well, first, as President-elect Biden said shortly after the killing of Qasem Soleimani, no American would mourn his passing uh, with all the blood of American soldiers that he has on his hands. But the basic question that Bill Burns and I were posing in that piece was, Did that action make America safer? Did it protect our national interests? And I would submit to you one year later, the answer to that question is no. Iran is closer to a nuclear weapon today than they were one year ago. Iran has been emboldened to continue its attacks on shipping and oil infrastructure in the Gulf. Uh, We did see proxies of Iran attack American interests in Iraq over the course of the past year. And that remains a continuing ongoing concern. So all of the promises that we got from this administration about how their policy was going to get us a better deal on the nuclear front, was going to stop Iran's malign behavior across the region, those promises did not bear out. In fact, uh, Iran continues to act in ways that are at odds with the interests of the United States and its allies. And nothing about the action that was taken one year ago today 
uh, set that back. In fact, uh, in some ways, the case that uh, Bill Burns and I made and the case that I would continue to make today is that a strategy that is so focused on one aspect of American power and completely sets aside diplomacy is not a strategy that is ultimately going to achieve the strategic objectives the United States wants to achieve. The demagoguery of that answer is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. What does he say? He says, look, they promised the Trump administration that if they'll act in a strong-handed way, Iran will uh, will be o- more pliable and open to renegotiate. This is like showing, you know, there's... There's an expression in Hebrew, and don't you know? I don't mean this personally about this uh, Jake Sullivan of marim You don't show somebody a partial, partially completed product and say, "Here, understand uh, what the whole product is," because lechamor marim Excuse me, because if he's not smart, then he won't understand what it is throughout how many how many back channel messages were sent to Iran possibly from John Kerry himself and others in the Biden team that told the Iranians hold out till after the elections and we'll get you a better deal and what does this have to do with killing Soleimani Soleimani was a uniquely qualified as I mentioned gifted terrorist who set up Iranian proxies in Lebanon and Gaza and continued to expand the network it was a gutsy decision by Trump to kill him, and the world's a better place for it. Let's see, we have time. Yeah, there's one more, um, one more quote from. from uh, Jake Sullivan, just to give you an idea of what we're headed towards. And we'll give you an idea of the difference in outlook. Like they're looking out of two different windows on two different continents. And uh, even though they're supposedly looking at the same thing. So uh, he's being asked about the influence that the nuclear deal might have had on Iran. Why, why shouldn't we have expected that once they signed the deal on the nuclear uh, project, that they would curtail their terrorism, their world network of terror proxies and so forth, their beheadings, their every other terrible thing that Iran does. And li- listen to the answer. I mean, it's, it's, I find it fascinating. Well, for the very logic of the Iran nuclear deal was that it would be narrowly focused on the question of Iran's nuclear program and that the United States would retain all of its capacities, its sanctions abilities, its intelligence abilities, and others, its deterrent capacities, to push back against Iran on all other issues. So it's not like uh, we went into this thinking, hey, we'll get the nuclear issue, plus we'll just assume Iran changes its behavior overnight. We did not assume that. We did believe that If you had the Iranian nuclear program in a box, you could then begin to chip away at some of these other issues. Uh, If you had the kind of clear-eyed diplomacy backed by deterrence, that uh, it was the hallmark of what produced the Iran nuclear deal in the first place. Now, obviously that did not come to pass, but it was never fundamentally part of the Iran nuclear deal that we had the expectation that it would. And as we go forward, We will continue to look at each of the significant issues we face with Iran, each of the threats and challenges that Iran poses, 
uh, in its own distinct way without presuming that by doing a deal on one aspect, we are necessarily going to make progress on another. So it's like, we'll make a deal about A and continue to allow Iran to terrorize the world, to terrorize its own citizens, to export terror proxies. And that doesn't bother us because that wasn't what the deal was about. The deal was about nuclear stuff. So we, we had no expectation. Why was the deal only about nuclear stuff? Answer that. Why? Why didn't they at least say, you have to throw in the American hostages that you're holding? And nowhere does anyone at CNN think to ask him, but we know that they cheated. Israel raided the Iran nuclear archive and proved that Iran cheated. Nobody's asking the questions. So even the thing that the agreement was about, they didn't they didn't hold hold to. This is what we're going back to. This kind of um, State Department mush thinking pathetic and not at all, at all realistic to what's going on in the world. Okay, we're running out of time. We ran out of time. We're going to close out with a little pit, <laughs> as much as we can get in, of the song Hitragut. Before that, we say thank you for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. And thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. My very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, yes, Yoni Pollock. With after further review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And the Novik Now, who I'm sure, I am sure Jake Novik will have fascinating take on what happened last week in the United States. And then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Okay.